everyone. Welcome. Today's going to be a great call. I've been really looking forward to this one. Um, I am on the phone right now with Justin Lathrop. He is the vice president for strategic partnerships for Southeastern University. He's got a passion for connecting the local church with higher education. He's been involved in ministry leadership and education for over the past 10 years. He's the co-author of The Likeable Christian, A Journey Towards Radical Love That Jesus Taught Us to Live. And Justin, it is an honor to have you on the call with us today. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks so much. I'm really excited about it. Hey, so we've been uh, going on this for a couple of months now and just talking to different people who we feel have have something to say, have a have a voice in the uh, the leadership in the in, in the community that that thrives on growing ourselves as leaders and growing those around us. And I've been able to learn a little bit about you to follow your career. And one of the things that I, I have noticed in the the roles that you've played is you've been around some of the most impactful and powerful leaders of our generation. I, you were hanging out with John Maxwell. I know you guys are old buddies. You know, you go golfing on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite, but yes, yes. <laughs> You've been around some, some great leaders. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is what stops people from just having potential and moving into, you know, exercising their 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 role as a leader and and what keeps them there. Basically, what stops high capacity individuals from becoming high capacity leaders? Talk to us about that today. Yeah. Now, first of all, it's such a great question. Um, and I, I really do. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. And, and just for everyone that's listening. So most of my thoughts are, are, are filtered through uh, working with young leaders. So this, I know this podcast isn't just for young leaders, but just know that's kind of somewhat of my filter because it's the majority of who I've worked with over the years, uh, as well as ministry leaders. So again, I know this could be for someone that's not young nor in, in the ministry, but just that's a little bit of my filter when I think about answering a question like that. I think the principles kind of go across uh, all people, but uh, that's just for information there. So keeping high capacity people from being high capacity leaders, to me, uh, there's a few things. Number one, I just, and it's such an easy answer, but especially dealing with younger people, I think work ethic is, is just, <laughs> is the beginning. And I know that's a little bit generalized uh, for people to hear, but it's just so many times when I see people wanting to be leaders who are looking to be leaders or, or even at a lower level of leadership within an organization, I see the biggest mistake I see from them is them wanting to go the second mile before going the first. And mm. is this, you know, they're wanting to do this extra thing or they want to solve a problem uh, around someone else's apartment that they may actually have something good to say, but they aren't doing it well in their own area. And so, so it's one of those things of just cautioning leaders or, or high capacity people to make sure they're putting the work in that, that no matter, you know, we're all about productivity and trying to get efficiencies within our, our areas of work and, and how to how to do things better, faster, and all that stuff. But I think at the end of the day, it still comes down to: Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to work uh, hard, work a lot? Um, and I'm not saying like at the expense of your family, but that there it, it is there is a there is an, a certain amount of time, like actual time and effort that's needed to to be a high capacity leader. And so that's that's just the general like starting place. I, I don't even really count that one. Really, my first point would be. 
to have purpose. So, I mean, I think that's what, when I was thinking about a, a high capacity person versus a high capacity leader, I was kind of thinking about that going, you know, what is the difference between those two people? And I really think, uh, I think that word purpose really means a lot. I think there's lots of high capacity people out there. And I think if they're not leading, it's probably because they lack purpose. And, and, and that's not even necessarily from a ministry standpoint or even trying to spiritualize that. I mean, I think that in any kind of thing or any company or whatever you're doing, that if, if you're lacking that purpose, you're probably lacking leaders because leaders don't just follow high capacity people. They, they follow high capacity leaders that have a purpose and have a vision. And so I think really figuring out what that means for you and as a, as a leader, as a person, uh, what does it mean to have purpose? What is your purpose? And I think that's, you know, there's obviously individual purpose in life. Like my purpose, you know, is to lead people, you know, in, in knowledge and understanding so they can be better leaders in their life and family. That's, that's kind of an individualistic thing. But then as, as to you, you know, my, my purpose is, you know, creating partnerships that bring wins to the community and to the church and to the university at the same time. And so I, you know, but I know those purposes and those, those are the things that make me move every single day. Uh, so I think finding purpose really is the, the key foundational way uh, that you become, go from high capacity person to high capacity leader. Um, That's really good. Now, something you said there uh, is that leaders follow other leaders who have a purpose. Basically, leaders follow purpose. And, and since, you know, you touched on the, the, the younger leaders, a lot of the battle cry of the younger leader from the older generation is the lack of direction, the lack of purpose, you know, the whole generation X, the millennial, what, what, what's your purpose? What's your battle cry? What, what's the thing that you um, are going to be known for? And so there is this sort of lack of generational, you know, unified thing that we're all after. How do you, as a young leader, how do you find purpose when you look across the landscape and it's splintered. There's not really um, a unifying thing that we're all trying to achieve. How do, how do I find purpose? Yeah, I mean, I really do think it goes down. I mean, you know, that is a life question that, you know, there's lots of different, you know, tools that you can use to try and find that. I mean, I think, of course, number one is, you know, going to the Lord and asking him what your purpose is. I think uh, beyond that, because that sometimes is, a tricky thing depending on your maturity level in your walk with the Lord um, is also asking other people around you, you know, what do you see my purpose is? What do you see when you, when you hear me? Cause they can call out things. And I've always, you know, one of the things that you talk about the leaders and people around me, I mean, since, uh, since I was a young kid, I've always worked towards having strong leaders around me. I grew up without a father figure and, and I, I filled that void with church leaders that I could find. And, and that was the question that I asked early on is what do you see in me? Like how, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Again, I, you know, as a, a typical 15 year old called into the ministry, I thought for sure I'd be a youth pastor for life, you know, and that, you know, and that, but that, that went away pretty quickly into my uh, career in ministry. And, and so asking people those questions, what do you see as my gift? And, and well before anyone would ever think of higher education, I, don't, I still don't think anyone's ever thought I would be good at that. But, but well before any of that, people started calling it out at me that, the things they saw in me, my curiosity around what what people are doing about the church, those, those kind of things, my desire to connect and and to bring partnership, and those things started being told to me by others. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think looking at yourself, talking to the Lord, getting His wisdom, looking to others, and asking them 
Um, but I do think that every young, every leader needs to go on that journey and find out what their purpose is uh, individually. And then, of course, that plays into the, you know, the, the large scape, landscape of, of purpose for your life and, and your career, whether that's in ministry or marketplace. Um, so, yeah, yeah so I, I would think you, you got to find that. The next thing I, I really organization is really and again, my story you know, going from wanting to be just a youth pastor that really when I got into a church as a youth pastor at the age of 22, I really thought ministry was preaching. I mean, I, I really just thought that was it. Like that was, you know, I lived for that, that moment and that every week it was get a message together. Um, and I'll never forget kind of sitting in my office for the first time as a, a full-time youth pastor and, and sitting there going, wait, what am I supposed to do now? Like I got a computer in front of me. <laughs> Right. I got solitaire. I got solitaire up, and you know, got a few games of those going on right now. I'm going, what, what, what do I do here? And I just finished Bible college, and and again, at a great institution, I feel like I got a lot for my education. But really, when it was time to lead, uh, I just didn't even know what that meant. And I, I looked at organization mm-hmm. as kind of that's what like that's what your assistant is supposed to do, and that's what you know. And it, it was really just when I started really owning up to what administration was. And, and again, I'm a ministry person. I loved to, you know, I wanted to preach. I thought, you know, preaching, maybe doing outreaches, whatever, but, but, but calling me an administrator was the, you know, the furthest thing, you know, from my mind. And somehow in the ministry world or somehow in young people's understanding of administration, they look at that as like the lowest level of, of leadership when we all know what, uh, or at least we should, you know, when we talk about the highest office within the United States of America, we talk about the administration, you know, and so we talk about the, so really that's, and we, you know, getting leaders to think bigger about organization and taking that more seriously, even if it's not your, your wiring, you know, so there's some people that are wired to be, you know, better administrators. I think every single leader, if you want to lead at a high level ever in your life has to take organization seriously. And, Again, it didn't come natural to me. I'm not, uh, Mr. You know, I got white, you know, labels on everything. And this, you know, there are certain people with a certain level of, you know, OCD around that stuff. That's not me. I know people like that and it's natural to them. But for me, it was getting serious about organization. And so reading books like, uh, getting things done by David Allen, that book changed. I mean, I probably implemented 15% of that book and I can say right now outside of the Bible, it changed my life forever. Just yeah, to, just to, and it, all it did was, all it did was just, yeah, it just gave me a framework. It wasn't, and I think the author would say that. I mean, this isn't, you know, there's been books written about organization and, and productivity uh, forever, but I think just having a framework to work off of to say, yes, I want to accomplish something. And really, when I did that in the first, I can remember the first real partnership I created and, and you know, going from the idea from zero to one and, and going from nothing to something like I got, a, I was addicted. I mean, I was like, this is the great, <laughs> like, it was just amazing yep. to go. I have an idea. Now let me give you, let me map out all the steps between the idea to having it happen and, and going through that process and getting something off the ground changed my life. I mean, I, I just, I just, I knew that that was something I love to do is to move the ball down the field. And I think young leaders and all leaders just need to learn and bring some level of organization to their life so that they can not uh, be lost within, you know, there's so many, uh, there's so many different nonprofits to be involved and there's so many startups There's so many, but, but if you're just kind of moving from one thing to the next, but never 
digging into something and bringing organization, you're just never going to find who you are and what you're meant to do with your life. Does that make sense? That's that makes perfect sense. And it's so true. I know so many people that are, they're just, uh, they dive into things head first, get going, but they, they don't see the traction. So they get bored and they move on and you never really see them set roots anywhere because you're not, you know, the, like the book says, you're not getting things done. You're not breaking down processes, getting into the organization of what you're doing and, and seeing fruit. So no, that is, that is an excellent, excellent topic. Very under talked about, but excellent topic. It really is. And it's something I, I feel like, man, and again, I, you know, most of my world and life right now is around equipping uh, people and leaders uh, for the ministry and marketplace. I mean, we know all of it's, uh, well, it's ministry. And I really think it's, it's the thing that I get most from other pastors or leaders that are hiring students is why they just, why they're so scared of this, this word, why they're so, you know, why they do not know how to, to organize a pro, uh, project and, and bring something to life. And so I, I just think that's, and there's all sorts of other books that are great on that. Making ideas happen was another one that was really, uh, you know, a catalyst to me and a lot of my growth. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, the next thing I wrote down, and just thinking about it, it's really just learning how to communicate. Um, again, thinking about communication being well beyond any, any 20, 30 minute message you may give or any kind of a, a big, large group presentation you might make. I mean, communication obviously happens in every aspect of our day and really right. learning how to communicate, when to communicate, uh, even little things nowadays. Of course, we're learning in the, the world of technology that we're in, you know, just just as a, as a young person, knowing uh, what things you should never communicate, you know, via email or text. I mean, now, I mean, I, I would, mm -hmm. I would, have, I have no doubt people are, you know, young, young CEOs or whatever are, are letting go of employees from text, probably, you know, or whatever, just because right. it's just such a commonplace, you know, way to communicate. When, when I really do think learning the art of communication, how to communicate clearly, how to communicate for action. You know, all those things, uh, how to communicate in written, uh, written communication, all those things I think are, are, are a key aspect to moving from uh, a high capacity person or high capacity leader is, is really learning how to communicate. I love one, uh, uh, a mentor of mine, uh, principal called Dirt, and, and it was uh, don't ignore relational tension. And I'll let, you know, it's wow. such a huge thing for me because I'm, I'm a conflict avoider, all that stuff. Of, and I, I just can't stand. I like people getting along. I'm a partnership guy. You know, everyone needs to get along. But what, right. he, what he taught me was, you know, the, the, the small problem you have today that you don't deal with turns into 10 problems tomorrow. And so it's just learning how to communicate to even in, even in relationally tense environments, how to, how to be someone that uh, knows how to diffuse issues versus blow them up. You know, and there, there's all mm, sorts of yeah. examples of that happening right now in our world. But, but how do, how, how to become a person that's an ambassador, uh, to others and that knows how to, to bring in other people, to get other people in the game, how to, how to be not just a, not just a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker that's making peace around them. So communication, uh, and then really just the last one. I know, I don't know how much time we have left. It's just thinking through. Uh, what it means to be a lifelong learner and, and just to be constantly learning. Uh, I mean, in education, you know, I'm in the higher education world. And like I said, I mean, I never thought I'd ever be in any kind of uh, role uh, within higher education. I mean, it took me a long time just to get to my bachelor's degree. You know, education was hard on me in, in the university yeah. world, but I always love to learn. And, and I think 
uh, I want to say, yeah, you know, Matt Keller, I can't think of the name of the book you wrote recently, a key to everything. I think it was called, but I loved it. When I first saw it, this, this book comes out, a friend of mine, key to everything. I'm going, a key to everything. Who is this guy? I think he is. I mean, he's, he's like one of the greatest right. guys I know. But I'm like, that's a little, that's a little bit of a, a crazy right, it's title. It's a little much, right? It's a big, it's a yeah. high call. This is yes. everything. And then you read it and it's just, man, be a lifelong learner, you know, always be teachable and always, and I think being a, being a, a leader is always learning. And I would even go a step further and learn, I would say it's always learning in diverse areas and that sometimes we just kind of get niched into one certain learning and we just don't have a, a, a large worldview. And don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, you know, other, you know, crazy thing. I'm saying just to read people that you disagree with, to read things outside of your, your area. Like I love reading biographies. That's like my new thing. I'm, I'm reading the uh, Ben Franklin biography right now. I mean, dude, that guy's got some crazy issues, you know? And like, we just know him as, you know, a founding father and someone incredible, yeah. but I learned, you know, I learned, I love learning about how others have learned and how others have failed and how others have succeeded and what they've done with those, those uh, places in life. And so I think being a learner, a lifelong learner, you've heard probably the saying, I hear all the time that, you know, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And, and I actually yeah. only agree with half of that statement. <laughs> I really, mm. I, I, I don't think that, I do think that all leaders uh, probably read at some level. Now, most of mine nowadays is through audiobooks if someone's reading to me. But, um, but I don't think that just because you're a reader, you're a leader. There's plenty of people that stick their nose in a book for, you know, five hours a day, and they're not necessarily leaders. And I think, um, but if you are a leader, you have to read. You have to, you have to consume information. Um, and it not just makes you a leader, it makes you an interesting leader. Uh, I never forget this, uh, man, this incredible mentor named Cy Rogers, uh, at a, in a preaching class I had at, in Bible college and someone asked him about being, uh, being a good communicator. And his answer to them was always be interesting. <laughs> and I thought that nice. was like, what does that even mean? I, that's a little bit of a lofty goal there too. But <laughs> when we dug into that, it was. He explained the, the periodicals that he subscribes to and, and the things that he reads and the thing, you know, just he became, and he really is one of the most interesting uh, people I know in the world because he just is constantly understanding what's happening within different spheres of influence, but whether it's entertainment or politics or, or business life or church life. And so I think as a, as a as someone moving from just a high capacity person, a high capacity leader, it is being an engaging person that is learning and has a diversity of understanding between topics so that they can talk about things in an interesting way because people are drawn to that. You know, that, that, that's what causes people wanting to follow you if you're an interesting red leader. Exactly. The, 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 the scary thing about learning, though, is whenever you start to learn something, it exposes that you don't know something. Yeah. And now, oh, yeah. You, and now and, you have and, to and deal think, with this lack of this, this empty that I, I don't know this. I don't know this. Yep. And now I'm at the bottom. Even when I learn it, I'm going to be at the bottom of those who know it. So it, it, it makes you a little vulnerable to be willing to be a lifelong learner. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and I think, I think it's a challenge too, that, that you just know that, you know, you're never going to know everything. And so you're never going to be done learning. Um, and there's just new ways of thinking and new, new ways of even leadership and how that's done. And we think about even some of the books I've seen, or well, even just uh, uh, the book I mentioned earlier, Gazing is Done. You know, they just updated it because when that was written, yeah, there was some level of technology, 
but there wasn't the, the different systems that are around today that allows you to take that take that learning and, and organize it in a better way. So they just released a second uh, version of that book just because our world changed so much in 20 years. And so, yeah, and we know that's happening quicker and quicker just because of the, you know, the age that we're in. And so I think being a learner, especially in the world we're in with the way information is coming at us, is going to be the most key aspect of being a, a long time uh, leader is to be uh, a lifetime learner. Excellent. Well, Justin, this was this was perfect from someone in the, the, the higher learning field who's been doing this for 10 years with a very unique slant of of higher education plus ministry experience all the way from work ethics to uh, being a lifelong learner. These literally are those those differences. I can see each one of these as being those differences of people who are high capacity individuals who become or don't become high capacity leaders based on how they navigate these these things. So thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing this with us. And, and thanks for stopping by the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, anything I can ever do for you, just say the word. That was Justin Lathrop. He's the vice president of strategic partnerships for Southeastern University and the co-author of The Likeable Christian, a journey towards the radical love Jesus taught us to live. Thank you for listening to Leading His Leaders.